0: I'm Jesse and I'm Josh and this is Slice by Slice, a podcast where we dissect and discuss horror films by categories and subgenres such as zombies, pandemics, franchises and directors bodies of work. And of course, we can't dissect and discuss these films in the detail we do without spoilers. So, Demons 1 was late as hell. Demons 2 was mostly on time. This one's probably not going to be. Yeah, who the hell knows. <laughs> this was a frantically picked franchise. It was originally supposed to be the Saul franchise so we could have all the Saul movies covered before the new one came out. And then I went to Disney World with the wife and kids and that's when we realized that I forgot to upload the episode for I Left. So I got that up from the hotel, came back from vacation and uh I mean the world had gone to shit for the most part and I work IT at school so I had to figure out a way to have online classes. So I ate movie is it eight movies? Sounds about right. Yeah. Seven Somewhere or eight, something. Yeah. So, so eight movie franchise wasn't going to cut it. So then we uh recorded the outro to say Critters, because we wanted to do that for a while. Well, the first one anyways. <laughs> um, And that was going to maybe be too many films for me to cover with the workload I had. So I'm trying to figure out something. And on Reddit, somebody put a post and it said, one of the greatest opening scenes of all time. And it was the opening chase scene from 28 weeks later. I was like, hey, we could do that franchise. And nowhere in there did I think about (laughs) there's a pandemic going on in that movie while I picked a pandemic franchise. Yeah, this is weird because
1: uh, not only is this shit going on, but uh, we may sound a little weird on this one because we're doing our first remote recording because we've been quarantined.
0: We're isolated. (laughs) And the city we live in actually has gone... um, To shelter in place, right? But we were going to do this anyways because we live so far away and it's hard to do. But if we sound odd, it's because Josh is in the actual studio with a shitty mic. (laughs) And then I'm in a guest bedroom at my house on a good mic because we own like a weird hodgepodge of the equipment. So 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 Josh has like awesome mics at his house and and no interface took up. So it's just kind of funny. And he's sick.
1: Well, I have the nice interface, but then it's going to sound like a jet running in the background the whole time.
0: (laughs) For the record, I had to turn my air off so that we didn't have that jet sound going on here. So I might get a little bit hot, but my laptop might also kick a fan on. Also, you might hear any of my three children in the background randomly. So we're going to apologize in advance for background noises. But I mean, hey, we wanted to bring an episode out, so we're going to try it. And this might be the way we have to do it for the foreseeable future. Yep, yep. By the way, when I say Josh is sick, I don't mean coronavirus sick. It's his damn allergies.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've been taking my temperature, and uh, the only other symptoms that I've had have been uh, (laughs) (laughs) stress-induced.
0: This episode's probably going to run long, and not because we're going to discuss the movies for too long, which might also happen. But we haven't seen each other in a bit, and there's just a lot going on in the world right now. And we've seen movies because we've had more free time on our hands. Yeah. Speaking of which, I'm finally up to date on movies. (laughs) I've seen both The Invisible Man and The Hunt, but it's because Universal was cool enough to make it where you could rent that shit at the house. Yep. I mean, that's really awesome. They stepped in and did that. My kids got to see Onward, the new Disney movie. They wanted to see that really bad. And Disney did the same thing with that. I like this rent a movie for 20 bucks or 48 hours and watch it with your family. It's cheaper than going to the theater. Oh, well, or or even cheaper for unscrupulous people. Ooh, (laughs) that's not us.
1: (laughs) Um, But you still need to see Color Out of Space and VFW.
0: So we'll have to talk about those later. So VFW, I'm going to try to just squeeze in sometime this week or weekend. I think I might save color out of space for when we do Lovecraft because I want to do Lovecraftian movies soon for a genre. Oh, and like actually cover it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, is it cover worthy?
1: Will you give me that? I think it is, but I'll save everything else because I don't want to dissuade you or spoil it in any way.
0: Thank you. (laughs) And speaking of spoilers. I want to talk about *Invisible Man* and *Hunt* for a second, but they are super new. Technically, would still be in theaters had they not been released online, and a lot of you might not have seen it. But I just want to say, Lee Wanel, i mean, we already knew he was an excellent horror writer, and we've seen him direct a couple of movies, right? *Insidious* three, *Upgrade*, things like that. I think he knocked this one out of the park. He made an enemy that you can't see most of the time scary. And I don't mean just the scenes where there's like a weapon moving around. There's so many random long shots in that movie with the camera. And you're like, does this mean that he's like watching from down the hall? Yeah. Or there's lots of scenes where you'll see smoke or rain or steam. And you're like, was that Is- him? Yeah. yeah, Like, like there's a, I'll just say it. there's a scene with smoke in a room and I'm looking to see if the smoke's going to form around a, the shape of a man. And I'm not going to tell you if it happens or not, because I want you to sweat it when you watch it too.
1: So did you like it? Yeah, it was, uh, it was really fun. Um, I like the modern take on it and I like seeing some of the things that almost look like they were discovered and played with camera work wise in upgrade being used in this movie. Um, Oh, okay. So that was pretty cool. I actually got to see it in theater. So that's probably going to be like the last movie I go out to see. Like my last, my last outside world meal was Chick-fil-A and uh, (laughs) my last movie theater visit was invisible
0: man. I did like the modern take on it as well. I don't feel like that's a spoiler. You could tell in the, in the preview. That it was a suit, right? And uh, that means I don't have to think about, well, if your eyeballs are invisible, can you actually see? (laughs) So remove that. Did you catch the Billy the Puppet cameo? Yes. Okay, okay.
1: And uh, I had to point it out to the, well, it already happened when I said it to the wife. And she's like, damn it, I've been looking for it the whole
0: time. (laughs) And then Hunt. I really liked Hunt. This movie, it was supposed to come out August of last year, right? And it was, I mean, pushed back until now. And the trailers really depicted the movie a certain way. And I don't want to spoil anything, but uh-uh. the trailer's essentially bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> just just leave it at that. <laughs> and I don't mean like they made a a fake trailer. It's actually clever editing to make it like certain people are together at different scenes when they're not. And I think it was really ingenious. And you heard all the rumors that this movie was pushed back because it was left versus right and blah, blah, blah. They said time after time. That's not why they, they pushed it back. It's because there'd been two mass shootings in the United States right before the movie was supposed to come out. And they decided to hold off on it. And then after seeing the movie, yes, there's some left versus right stuff in there, but I think that's part of the inside joke. The, the whole thing about the movie it's political correctness on the Internet and you can't make a joke. And then people run with things without fact checking it. And that's really the the moral story of the movie. It has nothing to do with are you Democrat or Republican? It, that's in there a bit, because in our real life, that's how that ties in to not fact checking and political correctness. But they perfectly displayed it on on the movie, I felt like.
1: Oh, yeah, it was uh, it was social commentary in the vein of South Park is the best way I can put it, just where how something can be removed into something that you think at a at a glance is A or B, and then realizing what it's actually trying to say and being like, oh shit, this, is, this means more than face value, and there's message in there. But I don't want to spoil what was my biggest surprise about the movie, and I know you don't want to spoil <laughs> what was your biggest surprise about the movie, but uh, I was so happy about it, and I do have to say I like the first half of the movie better than the second half,
0: though. I got to say that. It was just a really fun movie, though. I'm not saying it's one of the greatest horror films of all time, but it was a fun watch. Uh, I'll gripe about the CG blood a little bit, but (laughs) that seems to be happening more times than not. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's good. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I've been kind of putting in the show notes when we recorded an episode to try to put things in perspective. And uh, I think it would probably be really good to say it verbally on this episode, but (laughs) we're recording this on March 23rd in isolation. And it will be uploaded one day. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to try to get it up on time. We're going to try to get it up on the 27th, which is uh, oh, it's my daughter's fifth birthday, actually. But, you know, it might be a day or so late. I'll, I'll do my best. Like I said, these are crazy times. And I don't know, some podcasts might not can even record right now.
1: Yeah. And what's, what's extra jacked is, you know, you're, you're getting to uh, be part of the solution and flattening the curve and, and staying out of public. My job is considered an essential service. So for the time
0: being, I'm still going to the office. Just stay healthy, man. Stay clean and wash those damn hands. Don't touch your face. <laughs> but now that we <laughs> I, I'm, I'm watching Josh on like a, a video conference call and he's just rubbing his face. It is so hard to not touch your face, though, isn't it? I know. Right. It's like and they tell you not to. And it's like, I got to do it more. <laughs> I know. I know. Especially when you're in a store, like you just have to get something and you you grab it off the shelf and then you're like, you got to scratch your mustache. I can't tell you how many times I've almost shaved my beard and mustache off just so I don't feel like I need to scratch my face as much. (laughs) But speaking of spreading germs. (laughs) (laughs) That's our segue, huh? We got to jump into this 28 day series. So Danny Boyle made this film. And if you don't know who Danny Boyle is, well, you're probably living under a rock. I mean, honestly when me and Josh very first started realizing what film was, was one of his films. Cause Josh and I got deep in the IFC when we were like preteen and young teens. This is true. And train spotting, man. We love that movie. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm like, I'm trying to figure out where he's going with this. Cause you know, I'm like, Hey, I know that guy's name and I purposely close
0: your notes. So I'm not distracted. <laughs> yeah. Well, Danny Boyle made train spotting one. And then, you know, two, just a year or two ago. He made The Beach, he made Slumdog Millionaire, he made 127 Hours. These are all huge films, award-nominated and winning in some cases. And this isn't one of those cases where a horror director got famous and started making bigger movies. This was a guy that was already making bigger movies and wanted to make a horror movie. Okay. Alex Garland wrote the film, and he had written several novels, including The Beach, which he ended up writing the screenplay for The Beach, and I don't remember... I think that was, yeah, that was before this movie. So that's probably how they got together. He also wrote the screenplay for Dread, which was like the Judge Dread reboot, and Devil May Cry, the video game, the DMC version. Oh, really? And he wrote X Machina, which I don't know if you've seen that recently. It's a really good movie. I haven't seen it, but I know of it. Annihilation, the TV show Dev's currently on, which everybody says is fantastic. I haven't seen it yet. And he's working on the Halo movie. So these are like big guys. No shit. Okay. <laughs> But when they got together to make the movie, they wanted to base the disease off of Ebola. And that's why the eyes get red. And that's why there's the internal bleeding, which is vomiting, really, in this movie. But, yeah. I mean, that's kind of where it was taken from. And Danny Boyle did a lot of research on natural disasters and virus outbreaks. And he would just look at documentaries and, and stock footage. And a lot of scenes in the movie are actually taken from, like, footage from, like, Africa Or, you know, like this country after an earthquake and this and that, this country after this outbreak. And he used that for inspiration to frame a lot of the scenes. Okay. The notice board at Piccadilly Circus was from an actual event that had happened. He saw, I think he said it was in Egypt. I'd have to go back and look, but it was, uh, you know, it was like a woman around the board with all the, have you seen this person pictures? And he used that. There's a scene where there's a, a deceased mother holding her baby. That's a picture from an outbreak and, and things like that. So he put real world things in there. Yeah. That's a bit more impactful these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interestingly enough, Ewan McGregor was originally supposed to be Jim in this home. Oh, no shit. But they had a falling out after train spotting. Oh, but puttin- it didn't work out. They they fixed it obviously because he's in Train Spotting too. They're, they're buddies again supposedly, but uh, after the falling out, they're like, okay, we'll get Ryan Gosselin to do it. Is this when he got fat? And I I don't know. <laughs> but he uh, he had scheduling conflicts, and they went to their third choice, Cillian Murphy. And honestly, he's perfect. I could see Ewan doing it, but I could see Ewan doing lots of things. <laughs> so so i mean obviously ewan could have done it i couldn't see ryan doing it but cillian was absolutely perfect and i got a couple little factoids left and what we'll dive into the movie um stephen king loved this movie so much that he rented out an entire theater so all of his friends and family could come see it at once okay and he paraphrases some of selena's speeches in dr sleep because he liked it that much huh in the book more than the movie i think there's direct quotes but you know i'm Not as prepared as I should be, probably. (laughs) It's the end of the world, man. It's totally okay. I know, right? This is supposed to be one of the first films to be shot on all digital. If you think about when it came out, they shot it and they started shooting it in 2000. So, yeah. Yep. That helped with the harsh video appearance that he wanted for the apocalypse. And there's a lot of scenes in this movie where they had to shut down major parts of London. And they were only given like an hour or so to do it. And he said they were, there was no way in hell they could have done six camera setups with 35 millimeter in an hour and shot something usable. But with the digital cameras, they just set it up. And he actually, like some of the scenes, and I'll try to mention it when I get there unless I forget. He actually would take the camera home and capture regular things and then edit it in the movie as well. Oh, okay. Because he could just do that. I was going to try, you know, I like to, to address my cast as we get to them. But this movie, they just kind of pop in all over the place. Let's let's just go over the heavy hitters here. Cillian Murphy, as we said before, he was not actually in a whole lot before getting the starring role. So I'm actually surprised he was able to get the starring role. And that would explain why he was the third choice. But he was in the Christopher Nolan Batman series The Scarecrow. And he just recently announced the other day he was almost Batman in those movies to the point of they had him in the suit doing screen tests. No shit. And then Christian Bale gave his performance. And he's like, as soon as I saw Christian Bale, I knew I wasn't Batman anymore. <laughs> had to go back to my agent for another gig. Well, he, he was Scarecrow. He was the bad guy in the movie. So I still haven't watched any of those. Oh, they're really good. You got to see them. I know you're not, that's not really your thing, but that Batman trilogy is set up in a way. That it's awesome to people that it's not their thing. Okay. But then he was in Wes Craven's Red Eye, which he was kind of creepy in that. And that's the thing. I always see him as like a creepy guy. Yeah. He's most recently famous for being in Peaky Blinders, which I've only seen a couple episodes of that show and it was really good. But everybody knows like, you got to watch Peaky Blinders. And I know he's a star in that. And he's uh, going to be in Quiet Place too. And looking at the trailer, it looks like a big part. And I can't tell if he's a good guy or a bad guy. And I think that might be the point. Well, hopefully that's one we'll get on streaming services sooner rather than later. <laughs> 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 naomi harris plays selena and she's in james bond skyfall and specter and i've seen both of those but only once and i can't remember so i can't remember if she's like a bond girl or what she's also in the Mowgli movie which i think that there's been so many jungle book remakes but i'm pretty <laughs> sure that's the one made by andy circus where all the actors did the mocap okay and apparently she's going to be a major character in venom too which i haven't seen venom one yet i feel like a terrible comic book nerd but it's i don't know Fox isn't and sony don't make very good marvel movies but anyways <laughs> i digress and of course we got brendan gleason in this movie which i mean goddamn this guy is awesome he's in fucking everything he's like a fucking legend but he was in braveheart i always think of him in gangs of new york harry potter you can't forget he's in that he's been in edge of tomorrow <laughs> And he's in Mr. Mercedes. I mean, this guy. That's what I
1: go to only because it's so recent.
0: And I mean, I could list many more things, but they were, those are were just the bigger ones. But Braveheart, Gangs of New York, and Harry Potter. Like, he's always going to stand out. He's going to be Mad-Eye Moody to me forever. But <laughs> Megan Burns played Hannah, and she wasn't really in anything else. I think she was in a short film in this. However, we did get Christopher motherfucking Eccleston. And uh, that guy's a legend also. Doctor Who, of course, Gone in 60 Seconds, The Leftovers, which is one of my favorite shows of all time. And uh, those are all good movies. Unfortunately, they can't all be winners. He was also, I can't even remember which bad guy in the G.I. Joe movie. And then he played the Dark Elf King in Thor 2. And uh, we just won't talk about it. (laughs) But now that we've had a lengthy intro and discussed our cast, let's dive into the movie. We open up at the Cambridge Primate Research Center and we see a a chimp strapped down on a bed and he's being forced to watch violent acts, basically, on multiple TV screens. And you don't know what the fuck's going on at first because you see all the news playing and you're thinking, oh, it's the chaos happening in the world. I'm watching a zombie movie, right? At least that's uh, what
1: I thought, theaters. Clockwork orange looking.
0: (laughs) did i ever tell you the one time i uh did this for extra credit in college what clockwork orange (laughs) well no no no. like uh it was for psychology class and they'd give you like an a for a test you you could skip the test if you wanted but they hooked the little thingies up to you and just made you watch like faces of death scenes and stuff nice judged your brain activity okay those results were not given to you afterwards (laughs) but yeah yeah so it's basically the same thing it's clockwork orange and this uh this damn chimp here. But we see three hippies, and I I mean activists, like, break in, and they start taking photos of all the locked-up chimps. And a scientist comes back from his lunch break or some shit, and he catches them and tries to call security. Unfortunately, he stopped. And he tells them they got to get out of there because the chimps are infected and they're highly contagious. And he explains that they were all given an inhibitor. That's going to be really hard for me to say over and over again. And they have to understand, we caused this so we could cure other things. And the head activist demands to know what they're infected with. Right. The activists being the brainiacs they are and hearing about how contagious these chimps are and how violent they are decide to do the only smart thing and let them all out. Right. Of course. <laughs> and the girl out of the group of three is mauled by an angry chimp and uh, begins to puke up blood. It gets it all over the third crony fade to black. 28 days later. I think that's when it pops up on the screen. We see Jim wake up naked and alone in a hospital and he's pretty scruffy looking and you can see that his head is like half shaved and partially grown over with some scarring. Like they did a procedure on his head and clearly he's been out for a while. Who's scruffy looking. I'm supposed to make the star Wars references. Hey, it's the original trilogy. I got this. Yeah. it's <laughs> about all you got on those, right? Yep. But, uh, he puts on some scrubs and he walks into the abandoned hospital trying to, use non-working pay phones. And uh, I watched the movie a second time and I didn't, I, I didn't notice this before. And I guess it's because I wasn't paying attention. Uh, the keys actually slid under the door to his room. Huh? I've just never paid attention enough to catch that. I've never caught that. Yeah. I decided to, you know, cause I've seen this movie a bunch, but I watched it the other night for the podcast. I took notes and I watched it again today and he sees the key, like laying on, on the floor. It's like they knew he was locked up safe in there and they just slid the key and like, you're on your own. Huh. But after he realizes the payphones aren't working, he decides he's hungry and thirsty and insert the Pepsi ad. <laughs> yes. We're in the Pepsi generation. There is Pepsi all over this movie and he's chugging that hot shit. All jokes aside though, there's some beautiful cinematography in this movie and especially in the scene as he's walking through the streets. And the cameras are doing these far off shots and these long shots, and these high shots, and it's just an abandoned London, and like the phones all hanging. And when I took film class in college, this was actually the scene we studied for cinematography. Okay. Yeah, and and I don't mean I went film school; I took a film class. But this is what we use for cinematography as an example, and it's because it's it's beautiful. But a uh, very confused gem starts to walk through a ransacked London, finding no one. If I haven't said it before, the score of this movie is just eerie and fucking amazing and it's it builds a lot right here and you just continue to get that cinematography yeah you can see overturned buses so you know shit got real uh jim's just collecting any goods he can and sticking them into a trash bag as he goes like a hobo and uh he doesn't find much in the streets except for a car alarm that sets off by accident (laughs) jump scares him and uh There's news clippings talking about mass evacuations and a board of missing dead people. And that's the notice board I was talking about earlier. And, you know, it's just people posting like, have you seen my son, John, and stuff like that. But Jim decides to seek sanctuary where most people normally would go at a church. And it seems to be abandoned as he walks in and he goes up the stairs to, I'm assuming, the choir loft. And you can see tagged on the wall, the end is extremely fucking nigh. (laughs) And once he makes it upstairs into the loft, he looks down, and there's just a massive fucking dog pile of dead bodies, right? And uh, he's clearly disturbed by it. And honestly, I'm not sure how they all died. I don't know if it was like, well, I guess we're going to get to that in a second, really. (laughs) Yeah. When you first see it, you don't know how they all die. You don't know if it's like a mass suicide or what, because you still don't really know what what the hell's going on in this movie. Yeah. And I do want to say those bodies were uh, college kids. They hired... For the day. College like they got them that kids. day. Yeah, you mean the ones that are currently spreading the coronavirus because they couldn't stay home on spring break? College kids. Anyways. That wooden dumbass that's on the news. It's my spring break and I'm gonna party. It's like what the hell's wrong with you, kid? Uh herpes, syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> but Jim randomly says hello, and two of the bodies stand right the fuck up and stare at him. And they look shocked. And I hadn't seen the movie in a while. And I was like, I can't remember are those people acting like they're dead or are those infected. <laughs> and uh, they're infected. <laughs> Jim starts hearing a rapping sound on the door near him. But he says hello again. And an infected priest busts out through the door at him. And he has to strike the, the, ba- the priest with his bag of goods. And he looks pretty remorseful about it. Yeah. I oh, shouldn't have done that. Jim bust out of the church. But he's chased by several of these these rage zombies. I'm going to call them rage zombies. They're not really zombies. We'll get into that in a little bit. But when he runs from them, he's just going for dear life with no direction. And then he starts seeing Molotov cocktails being thrown at the rage zombies. And here's people yelling, get over here. You know, and they're just firebombing these fucking zombies. And uh, they get Jim to safety and they blow up the gas station to stop them. Right. And I saw, I think it was in the commentary. They pulled the proper permits to blow the gas station however no one notified the police or fire department nice and there was a fire truck on site for accidents that was requested but as soon as the explosion happened everybody came hauling ass <laughs> trying to figure out what happened i, I either read it in an interview or saw it on the uh the commentary but yeah it's definitely interesting facts they came ro- come rolling up yelling at the safety crew hey why are you fucking just sitting there <laughs> <laughs> Somebody was called a twat. This shit got (laughs) real. And then they bought a pint at the pub later and they're all friends again. Yeah. They're just sitting there having a drink, waiting for this to all blow over. Speaking of which, (laughs) that's refreshing. But after the giant fucking explosion that I can only assume is going to draw more infected's attention, they get Jim into a store where they hide out and tell him a terrible giraffe lion joke that I don't even feel like getting into on this podcast and then ask him a story we find out that he was a bicycle courier and he got into an accident and then woke up in the hospital today. So shit happened. And honestly, that's, I don't remember how the comic book started, but that's the beginning of season one of the walking dead. Basically. Yeah. Rick gets shot, wakes up in the hospital. The apocalypse happened. So just try not to go to the hospital guys. Apparently it causes the end of the world. And I just want to cover the zombie thing for some of you that like to listen to our voices and not watch any of the films. And, uh, (laughs) um, These are not dead people. You get infected and you turn in 20 seconds. I think they say yep. your eyes are red and you have uncontrollable rage to murder everything in sight. And sometimes there's biting, but that's just because it's uh, primal. Right. Primal attacks. Yep. It has nothing to do with eating. And that actually ends up being a downfall of these things later. And I mean, it's a zombie movie in essence, and yes, they're mindless zombies, but they're, you just shoot them till they die. They bleed to death. They can starve. Yep. The elements bother them. They die just like a person on PCP. Yeah, there you go. They're just on PCP and full blown aggro. I've seen some shit. <laughs> but after Jim tells them a story, he finds out that they're Mark and Selena and they fill him in on how the outbreak happened. It's infected blood and it spreads super fast. And they let him know that they heard Paris and New York were infected as well before the TVs went out, which we find out later is bullshit. Yep. Just want to throw it out there. They also let him know that there's no government and he is the first non-infected person they've seen in six days. So the infection has been going for 28 days, and they haven't seen a non-infected person since day 22. And we're just trying to make it 15 days without kids going to the beach. (laughs) They shut the beaches down at least. Maybe they'll do something about it.
1: After the fact, it's just like Jaws.
0: I know, I know. This is a setup for a horror movie down the road when you're allowed to do it. Oh, dear God, yes. The last thing you hear is is that uh, their families are all dead, and his probably is as well. However, he wants to go check on his parents because he's like, no, there's no way they're fucking dead. And they tell him not to go out. They said there's rules. The rules are never travel alone and only travel during daylight. And he's so adamant about leaving. They're like, all right, sleep it off and we'll take you tomorrow on the next day. So just like in Lord of the Rings, they take their hobbit and they take him on a journey. Okay, (laughs) and they very quickly travel to Jim's parents house. It's very uneventful. And we just get more cool cinematography, and we find out Jim's parents are dead. They died together in bed, drinking wine with lots of pills, basically. Right? They just took themselves out. They left a note on the back of a picture of Jim, and and the note says, "Jim, with endless love, we left you sleeping. Now we're sleeping with you. Don't wake up." Yeah, the whole thing's like an Alkaline Trio song. Speaking of which, did you see their three song EP they uh, released the other day? I did not. Well, they have a new album they secretly recorded while Matt Skiba's, you know, Blink-182 ended up, and uh, they are supposed to go on tour with Bad Religion, and they had to cancel the tour, and they are going to, rumor's already leaked, they were going to announce the album on the tour and release it, and since the tour got canceled, and there hasn't been an Alkaline Trio album in a while, once again, because Blink-182, they decided <laughs> to put a three-song EP out. So check those out, they're pretty good. Oh, hell yeah. I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast before, but Alkaline Trio's my favorite band, so... Anyways, I had to figure out where we were at because we're not on a music tangent here. It's what happens when we don't see each other for a while. <laughs> Basically, Jim knows that Alicia's family died peacefully and they all tell him terrible stories about how their families died and nobody has a good story here. Yeah, Actually, Jim has the nicest one and that's sad. But since it's already dark, they decide that they're all going to sleep at Jim's house. And Jim obviously can't sleep. he has got a lot, you know, going on on that mind of his. And he decides to watch some home videos by candlelight while Mark and Selena sleep. Some of these zombies, though, or infected rage zombies. I don't know what the hell I'm going to call them. Angry motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, they see the light from outside and they charge the house and burst through the window. I do want to say anytime you see infected running or moving or just in general. He purposely had the uh, frame rate set like absurdly high on the camera. It was like in the thousands range or something like 1200, 1400. And it was uh, like on a film camera, it'll make it slow-mo. But on a digital camera, it makes it really jerky. Yeah. And he said the best way he could explain it, it's like every third frame is chopped off. It reminds me of the soap opera effect
1: on some modern TVs that do a really crap job at it of trying to create the frames in between that
0: don't exist you know what i mean it's like motion blur or something yeah but yeah it it just makes it look just unnatural enough to freak you out while you're not noticing that something's wrong but you get a bit of that as they smash through the window and jim's tackled by the neighbors basically right and they're just infected rage zombies and he's saved by mark and selena and selena asks jim if he was bitten or got blood in his mouth and he says no We then see that Mark is bitten and he tries to talk his way out of it (laughs) as Selena quickly dispatches him with a machete before he can turn. She tells Jim to clean up and change quickly and they need to roll out before more comes. They hit the road again and they're all cleaned up and traveling at night. And Selena explains that you have about 20 seconds to kill a person before they turn. And you can't even hesitate a heartbeat. I think she says something like that in there. And they see a high rise apartment building with blinking lights on the upper floor. And they go up to investigate and see that all those stairwells are barricaded. They climb over the junk and start to go upstairs until Jim needs a break. He's a little bit winded. I mean, I'm sure he's an atrophied a little bit, right? He's been out for 28 days. And uh, <laughs> they hear some infected and the infected gets past the barricade and Jim and Selena start hauling ass upstairs until they are greeted by Frank in full riot gear. And he tells them which apartment to go to, just like it's nothing, right? Yeah. <laughs> he uses his shield and baton to kill all the infected. And Frank's an absolute fucking beast in this scene as he takes them out. However, he then takes his riot gear off in their house, introduces himself and his daughter Hannah to them, offers them a drink, and he's a giant teddy bear. Unless he's beating you to death The riot gear. Yeah. They all share a drink, and Jim gets his hair and beard trimmed so he can look a little bit more normal, and they all rest. They shot this scene on 9-11-2001. Really? And yes. And Danny Boyle said it just didn't feel right shooting a celebratory scene hours after 9-11 happened. I could see that. And he actually got ridiculed for scenes in this movie, like the the notice board. People were like, That's, that was from 9-11. And he was like, I mean, we shot that scene a year before 9-11 happened. It just happened to look that way. You know, it's, it's just what people do in a catastrophe. And everybody's upset when there's a catastrophe, right? Yeah. But the next day they wake up in the apartment and Frank shows Jim how he's trying to get water on the roof with buckets, but it hasn't rained in 10 days. And he says, it's fucking ironic because they're in England and it always (laughs) rains. (laughs) And Frank tells them that they can't stay there. And he pulls out a portable radio and lets them hear a recording of the military saying there's an outpost that they can go to for safety and there might be a cure or something to combat the infection There's something along those lines said. But Frank lets them know that he he needs them to help him travel the outpost because he wants to go and he wants to get Hannah there. But if he just goes with Hannah and something happens to him, then there's no one to take care of his daughter Hannah. And there's a debate on staying versus leaving, and Hannah just pops in as the voice of reason, and they all hop into Frank's taxi and start heading off to the outpost. And I think I said it's like three days away, something like that. Something. On the road, the group immediately has a second debate on the direct route through the underground, which is like their subway tunnel, right? Or the indirect route in the open. Frank wants to go through the dark, creepy tunnels packed with rubble, cars and bodies. And Jim's not really happy about it.
1: See, this is a really shit idea. You know why? Because it's really obviously a shit idea.
0: I'm not happy about it when I see that taxi driving on top of the cars. That's some bullshit. <laughs> oh, we're getting to that, my friend. Frank rams through the rubble and drives over all of it, which is clearly a terrible idea, just like Josh was saying. And everyone seems to be having fun in this scene, except for the smart one, Jim. <laughs> the car obviously gets a flat, and they decide to get out and change it in the middle of the underground. And a swarm of rats run by that's being chased by an army of the infected. I really love that scene. Yeah. And they do the world's quickest tire change without jacking the car up. They just lift it off the ground like a fucking Mentos commercial and do it that way. <laughs> Hop in and drive away safely.
1: Wait, wait. Do we have to explain the old Mentos commercials like we do payphones? They feel like they're just as old.
0: (laughs) Just YouTube it. It would make sense. I'm sure they're on there somewhere. And it was in a Foo Fighters video, right? Yeah. Also equally as old, though. (laughs) But they eventually make it out of the tunnel safely. But as you can see, it was clearly a shit idea. After barely surviving their first stop, they decide to go and check out a grocery store, which remarkably has not been ransacked yet. And I can tell you that as stocked up as that store is, bullshit, because two days into there being a coronavirus in the United States, you couldn't couldn't get toilet paper to wipe your ass. I know, right? It's like none of these people have showers. I just know, like, after a state of emergency had been declared, you couldn't buy toilet paper, paper towels, eggs, milk, or meat. But all the non-perishable goods, like the rice and beans and canned goods, you can just buy them all you want. Yep. Some of us know how to survive. I did go to the store. uh, The grocery stores, instead of being 24 hours, went to only open 12 hours a day. And I went as they opened, and they actually do put a little bit of everything out. It's probably the same amount they normally would put to supplement what's supposed to be on the shelves. Yeah. And they're just, you know, trying to not screw up their supply chain. But if you get there early enough, you can actually get shit, it turns out. So good advice for anybody.
1: Well, see, I'm crazy, so we topped off our supplies over a month ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they stock up off of the uh, never-ending supplies, apparently. And some people go for necessities. However, Frank shows Jim how to properly steal booze. <laughs> this scene is lit very brightly and has very uplifting music. And the whole time, you're waiting for something terrible to happen. Yeah. And then... It doesn't. It just doesn't. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, so good. And that's kinda like that's the invisible man effect, right? Where I was waiting on something to happen so much and it didn't. And that kind of dread is scarier than um than when something happens sometimes. Yeah. But I guess it's, you know, kind of partially true to what happens in reality when there's a freak out because they start to run out of gas and they they can't get to the pump. So why not take it straight from the uh, petrol truck, right? (laughs) So they see one pulled over and Hannah waits on the car as Frank siphons the gas and Selena guards him. And Jim's supposed to stay put, but he can't resist the last cheeseburgers for 60 miles. (laughs) And goes into this mom and pop shop and inside he finds uh, the dead family. I was talking about earlier, the mom holding the child. And Jim has not yet learned his lesson and decides to randomly say hello again in a place with corpses and an infected boy charges him from behind and he has to kill the boy with his bat. And then he leaves like nothing happened. He doesn't talk about it. It's like that kid night of the comet. <laughs> it actually very much made me think of that. We see a nice drive through the countryside and they actually stop for a picnic because I guess they're far enough away from the cities and stuff that there's none, no infected out there. And they watch a group of horses run free, and the horses are like a family, they say, and it's all very surreal. And there's no way anything bad's gonna happen soon, is there? Cause like it's just doing that same <laughs> like happy thing. It's like this can't last. Yeah. Somebody's gonna get on heroin, and there's gonna be a baby crawling on the ceiling with this fucking head spinning, it's gonna get jacked. Whoa, whoa, wrong movie. <laughs> I know, but I was just, I was waiting on the train spotting shit to happen. <laughs> Except for the shit sheets. We don't, we don't talk about the shit sheets. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> That's a good movie. I gotta watch the sequel. Jim and Selena share a bit of a romantic moment together, and they decide to set up camp for the night. However, no one can sleep because they're all out in the open, and they know that. Yeah, and well, no one but Selena, and it's because we find out she took Valium. Because <laughs> I think she says something about how she worked in the medical field. I can't remember specifically, but she has drugs on her, including Valium. Jim gets the bottle from her and takes some, and he convinces Frank to let Hannah have some. Frank was kind of against it, but um, he wants his daughter to have a good night's sleep. And Foreshadowing. Frank is the smart one and decides to stay alert in case they're attacked. Uh, Jim has a nightmare that does not involve the baby, but it it definitely feels like a train spotting withdrawal scene. Um, He's alone and abandoned, and there's some fucking crazy sheep running in circles around him. And uh, I, you know you're watching a Danny Boyle movie right now <laughs> when, when this happens. The next morning, the gang gets back on the road after nothing happened all night. It's kind of like you're playing D&D and the DM rolls to see if you get attacked in your sleep. Nothing fucking happens. They survive. <laughs> and they hit the road and have an uneventful drive all the way to Manchester, where the outpost is supposed to be. However, Manchester is burning to the fucking ground, so it's clearly been napalmed. They may get to the outpost blockade. They can't find anyone. And it's just an abandoned camp. Military camp, obviously, but abandoned nonetheless with food still on the tables. And there's some vehicles, but there's no sign of life. Frank goes from teddy bear back to beast mode. And in a very rhetorical way, asks if they have to go.
1: Go fucking (laughs) where?
0: The angry papa bear wanders around the camp and sets down with his back to a fence and there's a bird up on top of the fence in front of him eating the remains of a corpse and he yells at it and then he gets angry and runs up and kicks the fence this causes blood to drop in slow-mo from the corpse and land right into his fucking eyeball and he knows he's fucked and he tells hannah that he's sorry for losing his temper with her earlier and that he loves her very very much and she's like what's up daddy and she starts walking to him and then he starts to pick her up and throw her away from him as he starts to turn And it's a really emotional scene because Hannah knows what's going on. He's an amazing actor. And the way he does that turn scene is just heartbreaking. And he was a very lovable character. Like, I mean, they do a good job of setting the characters up in this movie with almost no exposition. And in the background, you have Selena yelling for Jim to kill Frank. Jim winds up his bat to go in for a swing. And you can tell he doesn't want to do it. And he might actually be going too slow to pull it off in time. And Frank just gets mowed down by soldiers' fire. And they're telling him to get away from the body. And the soldiers roll in like hazmat gear, obviously. And they put him in a Jeep and drive him back to their encampment. Here we're introduced to Major Henry West. So close <laughs> to having a reanimator name, but we didn't yes. get it. Uh, and he's played by motherfucking Christopher Eccleston, who is fantastic in every movie, no matter if he's good or bad. Even in the shit movies he's in, he's still usually one of the better parts. But he lets them know that they have hot water and clean beds, and then they look like they could use both of them. Go ahead and get cleaned up. He's very nice and open to them. I wonder why. Uh Selena is obviously really upset about Frank, but she's more upset for Hannah, who just lost her father. And her and Jim are talking about this, and she's like, I don't know what to do for Hannah. And then they have like a hate kiss moment, and then she storms off in her own way. Major West gives Jim a tour of the complex and he shows them a boiler where they get their hot water. Their perimeter security which is floodlights on a generator for nighttime, landmines everywhere, tripwire, barbed wire, whole nine yards. Their supply room and their kitchen where we see Jones in like a pink <laughs> uh, cooking apron making a cake or something. That guys fucking hilarious. It's a surprise. <laughs> I know he belongs in dog soldiers. Yes. I'm just saying. But most importantly, Wes shows Jim a chained-up soldier that just turned two days ago. And Jim wants to know why he kept him alive, and Wes lets him know it's to learn from him. He says that he learned all the things that he's never going to be able to do for him again, which is useful. But he also says that he's learning how long the infected will survive without food, and that is also useful. So he still has a use, and that's why he's alive. Foreshadowing. That night, the crew of the soldiers sat down for dinner with their guest at a big table, because they're basically set up in like a, a mansion, right? Or an estate of some kind. Yeah. And West is excited that Jones made an omelet for everybody. It's going to be a feast. However, the eggs have gone bad. So they're not going to be dining on those. I tried to cover it up with salt. <laughs> <laughs> they all start to speak about things going back to normal and what is normal and what is not normal. And then West decides to give his take on the current four-week infection period and the four weeks before that and the four weeks before that. And there's no way I can say this line as well as Christopher Eccleson does. So I'm just going to let him say it. This is what I've seen in the four weeks since infection. People killing people, which is much
1: what I saw in the four weeks before infection and the four weeks before that and before that as far back as I care to remember. People killing people, which to my mind puts us in a state of normality right now.
0: Sorry for the long clip, but he really does just say it so well. And. I can't do the accent or anything. I just, I wanted it done right <laughs> during the speech though. We get quick clips of infected running through the field and Hannah tells Wes, she wants to bury her dad. And then we hear the landmines go off and the soldiers immediately rally and, and jump to their positions. I was actually impressed how quickly they did it. Cause it looked like a bunch of fuck ups, but um, <laughs> they go straight into action. They're holding off the infected with their rifles and machine guns Oh, and more landmines. There's plenty of landmines going off, and <laughs> apparently, infected bounce we see in the scene. As they all head inside after killing everybody, the soldiers begin to fuck with Selena. It's getting a little rapey. And Jim tries to stop them, obviously, and Sergeant Farrell steps in. And he's the one earlier they're saying who's kind of like a yogi or something. He's like the new age sergeant. And, yeah. and you could tell that he was not, he doesn't like any of the other soldiers. But he steps in to stop the sexual assault right as West comes in. And there's a, there's a little bit of fighting going on. And they fall in line as soon as West enters the room. And they all get sent off to their positions, cleaning up bodies, reloading ammo, yada, yada, yada. However, we hear West say, slow down to one of the soldiers, which is a bit odd, right? So he yeah. starts to let something up. The girls go to their room and West takes Jim to get a drink. And West explains that he promised his soldiers women to stop them from killing themselves. This scene was actually written by Eccleston, Murphy and Garland the night before they shot it, because there were like five versions of the scene written. And uh, Christopher Eccleston and Sillian Murphy didn't like any of them. And they said, we can't do this. So they actually wrote that scene with the writer like this is what we're going to do and just waned it the next day. No shit. Yeah, probably Chris Rex didn't want to sound like a bad guy. And for the most part, even though he is kind of a bad guy, yeah. well, no, he's a bad guy.
1: Well, he also says in there that he they promised some women because they'd have to, quote unquote, repopulate the earth.
0: Like, it's like he's trying to take care of his soldiers and save the world. But yeah. he knows what he's doing is wrong, but it, it's wrong. Anyway, he's shaking. Yeah. Anyways, Jim's not down with this, obviously. And, and he's trying to give Jim a job and everything. He's like, look, you got a place here. Because somewhere in there, he asked him, he said, who have you killed? Yeah, he's like you wouldn't have made it this far unless you killed somebody. And he tells him, I killed a boy with a bat. And that's when he starts to open up to him. Right. Yep. Like, and I think that was the icebreaker. Look, you've done something bad. I've done something bad. We've all done something bad. This is how we survive now. Let's do bad together. Right. Well, I think it's a whole the new state of normalcy. Right. Like after his four week speech. Yeah. Jim goes and tries to get to the girls, but he's knocked out by a soldier and then he wakes up on the ground next to Sergeant Farrell who's fighting some of the soldiers and trying to save Jim and protect the girls until he's drugged off outside to be locked up. Wes then gives Jim a final chance to join him and he refuses and he's locked up as well. The next morning we cut to a cell and we see Jim and Farrell locked up and Farrell's going on some rant about the infection and like, can it cross water? What happens when it gets to the channel? Blah, 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 has it already crossed? Cause we still don't know the answers to that yet. And uh, he just starts saying West is insane, right? Like, I mean, he knows West is crazy. He knows this, this whole world's crazy that we live in now. And the soldiers come in to get Jim and Farrell to take him out in the woods to be executed. And there's obviously, it's like a, it's a drop site where they put bodies, whether it's infected, they've killed or people they've executed. Right. You don't know. What's funny is after a day of shooting, the props guy didn't feel like cleaning up the fake bodies that day and a car saw him from the road <laughs> and had to call the police. <laughs> yeah. And apparently there was like a pub or something that they all like to go and drink at after filming. And they gave them some of the bodies or something after they finished shooting, like to put in the pub. Nice. Anyways, I've rambled enough. Um, they dragged down the woods though, to this dump site to be executed. And the douchebag O'Neal of the group, the one that was trying to, Sexually assaults Selena wants to stab Farrell with his bayonet on his gun to make him suffer like a dog. And Chef Jones thinks this is fucked up. So as douchebag O'Neil goes to stab Farrell, Jones just shoots him. And I don't know if he blows off part of Douchebag O'Neil's ear or just makes him deaf when the bullet whizzing by, but uh he he shoots Farrell so he doesn't have to suffer. Because Jones really doesn't seem like a bad guy, bad guy through most of this. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He's like their wimpy guy that should have been a dog soldiers. But douchebags pissed and dives on Jones and they start fighting and Jim takes his time to get up and run the fuck away and Jones notices it. So they get up and they start running off trying to find him and you can see the pile of bodies in the background and there's a body in a red shirt and I'm like, ah, Jim's laying there like a corpse and I'm waiting on it to stand up and then a different body stands up and <laughs> it gets me every time because it's not center frame and um, it's a pretty good idea. And he runs off, and he hops a fence, and his sweater gets caught to the barbed wire, and his hands are still tied together, and he gets away before they realize where he went. And then they end up seeing the sweater, and O'Neill tells Jones <laughs> that he's unarmed, out in the wild, out there, he's basically dead. We'll just say we killed him. So back at the base, we see the soldiers are trying to get the girls to dress up nice so that they can rape them, right? Because <laughs> they're so like the madam had very lovely dresses. Yeah and selena like dives on one of the soldiers and kisses and says hold on i got to get the girl ready you guys got to step out of the room and it's so she can give her valium yeah and she's like are you trying to kill me and she's like no i'm trying to make it where you don't care which is like the saddest shit ever yep and um the soldiers figure out what's going on and come in and slap the pills but she does manage to take a few of the valium however our boy jim has other plans and sets off the raid sirens outside like the air raid sirens before the soldiers can get them out of the bathroom. And they go try to find Jim as he plays a game of cat and mouse. And he manages to take out one of the soldiers that has a fucked up haircut. I don't, I don't know what kind of bet he lost. <laughs> but uh, he gets killed and he leaves him in a Jeep as a decoy. And West is actually out there trying to find Jim because he's pissed. And he goes to the Jeep, figures out it's a decoy, tries to drive away, but it won't start because Jim's uncut cut the wires or something. And he's then surrounded by infected and he has to shoot his way out and make a run for it. Jim sneaks up to the infected soldier that's locked in the base and frees them and just lets them run through the fucking manor and take everyone out. Hannah's high on Valium and does not give a fuck about anything that she says going forward. I know. It's great. I know she starts spooking the soldiers out. Like who's in charge of the rest of them are dead. You know, you're all going (laughs) to die. And uh, the infected actually comes in and attacks them. Jim's actually monitoring through all the windows to the mansion, the infected running through the house and attacking people while he's got an assault rifle. And I can only assume it's so that he can make sure they're only killing the soldiers. And if they go for the girls, so just go ahead and shoot them. But as yeah. long as they're munching on soldiers, fuck it. However, if you think about it, this situation is going to exponentially grow. So you got to be careful. There were only so many soldiers in there though, right? Yeah. Jones somewhere used his defensive skills and ran screaming like a small child and hid in a cabinet. So he's the only one that appears to have survived at this point. And he tries to run out the front door right in a gym and his bayonet. Yep. And I feel like Jones got a bit of a raw deal here. All we saw him do is try to cook food for everybody poorly. And he is kind of like the mousy one. I kind of feel like he's forced to 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 run with the bad guys, but I don't know. He might've been keen on the rape. We don't know that. They just didn't show his participation level in it. Yeah. But you do feel like he's the child of the group and he just got ran through. Anyways, Jim runs up the stairs to look for the girls and we see West come in the front door behind him and he sees Jones dying and he sits there and he holds Jones's hand until he dies. You can tell he actually did care about his soldiers in some morbid father like way. Right. Then there's a few scenes with Hannah having a close call with infected and hiding and the rest of the soldiers getting picked off until Jim sneaks in on douchebag O'Neal taking Selena and Jim viciously beats him to death by slamming his head into a brick wall and gouging out his fucking eyeballs. Yeah, he's proper fucked. <laughs> he then begins to skull fuck him in the sockets. Wait, what? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> this isn't a trauma movie here, okay? This is a Danny Boyle. <laughs> but this is quality. <laughs> the music starts to get real epic as Jim stands up, and he's in the shadows this whole time. Selena can't get a good look at him. He doesn't have a shirt on, and she's unsure if he's infected or not, right? Because he was just so savagely beating him. And then he steps in the light at the last second and stops her from swinging her machete. And he lets her know that she waited longer than a heartbeat, which is not what she did for Mark earlier in the movie in the gas station. That (laughs) motherfucker got it so fast. Yeah, He did. They begin to kiss and it's not a a hateful kiss this time. It's a romantic kiss until Hannah comes in and bashes his head in with a bottle. She thought he was biting her. (laughs) He lets her know that he was just kissing her. And then he figures out she's stoned and he's not happy about it. It's kind of like he's Papa Bear now. And they make a break for the car and find West in the backseat. And he's upset at what Jim did to his boys. Then he shoots Jim in the stomach and Selena falls to the ground to catch him. However, Hano's already in the driver's seat of the car. She got in first before they saw West. And she pops that bitch in reverse and drives backwards and slams him into a wall and lets some infected his ass out the window. And he's dead. Yeah, that's a cool part. Yeah, yeah, and then she picks up Jim and Selena and rams the gate, just like her dad. ramming shit, she probably learned how to drive from him, And they slow-mo freeze frame get ejected from the car. The end. I mean, 28 days later. Again. <laughs> 28 days later-er. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But we get flash frames of Selena trying to save Jim's life in some sort of medical facility. And white letters saying hell on a field in front of a farmhouse and Jim laying in bed with grown-out hair, like he's healthy now, inside said house. And he says something like, Oh, she took the she even took the curtains, right? Yeah. And we see that Selena's basically like making stuff with any fabric she can find. And they actually originally wanted the movie to end with the medical scene. And there was actually the whole medical scene, like her trying to save his life was shot entirely with more to it but it didn't show if he made it or not and the credits rolled and that's where they made it end and it was ambiguous and test screenings happened and people didn't like not knowing what happened so then they decided to add this farmhouse scene probably the american audience right (laughs) but basically once he wakes up and he talks to selena um we see that hannah's outside messing with the fabric and we get a pov of a jet blasting through a valley And we see emaciated infected dying all over the ground. Hannah grabs them and says, it's coming. It's coming. And they're all acting like this is common for this jet to fly by. And Jim wants to make sure she for real heard it this time. And they all run out quickly with some fabric and set up the sheets to go from hell to hello. And we see our team doing jumping jacks right at the pilot and to show that they're alive. And he says, I hope that they saw him this time. And we hear some shit and finish, but the only word you can understand if you speak only English is helicopter at the end, right? Like send the helicopter. Yeah. Credits the end. That's the end of the movie.
1: I do want to say one quick thing. I think it's when uh when Jim goes over the wall and he hits the ground and looks up. That's when he sees a jet and yeah, he has that look on his face like, Oh, that crazy fucker was right. There are still planes flying.
0: Yeah, yeah, because Farrell was going on a rant about planes, and that was one of the planes. And that's actually one of the scenes where Danny Boyle took the camera home for the weekend, and every time he heard a plane, he ran out and he'd shoot it flying through the trees. Oh, okay. So he could get it just right, and that's actually from his like backyard at his house, or hotel, or wherever he was staying. So I'm glad you brought that up. But this is a movie I saw in theaters. I loved it then. I love it now um it's a little surreal watching it today obviously the rage virus is way worse than the coronavirus but the coronavirus is not just like a cold or the flu like some people say it's scary as shit and super infectious and i don't know just like i I picked this movie by accident to watch during a pandemic but it really just makes you think about things and, and shit spreading and you know have you know at least this is a beatable, survivable situation we're in now, whereas this shit was fucking hopeless in, um, in, in 28 days later. And uh, it, it, this, me saying that just made me think of a random Stephen King tweet he did the other day. He was like, the coronavirus is not like the stand because we can <laughs> actually beat this one. Because people kept comparing the coronavirus to the stand. and He's like, Mm-mm.
1: yeah, I don't think we're going to go quite that far. But yeah, it's one of those that uh, in these times makes you realize how tiny we all are on this rock. I saw it on DVD. I didn't see it in theaters and this was before the zombie boom, you know, even though they're not quote unquote zombies still, there's a lot in there just like, you know, you brought up the, the beginning of the walking dead. Like this is a lot like
0: it. And I don't know if I said at the beginning, this was Oh three. So yeah, this was definitely before the zombie boom. Yeah. And
1: I don't know, man, the, the first one I've seen so many times that it was just like, yeah, it's still a good movie. But I couldn't couldn't get sucked into it right now, like avoidance because of real world shit. Right, right.
0: And then I made you watch it. Yeah. Well, and then watching the sequel, and then the sequel's like, this shit's too real. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, Josh was against this
1: episode. <laughs> well, see, and that's what's fucked up, because I'm like, man, this feels like it's in bad taste. And then the wife gets on Netflix and it's like trending. Every fucking, you know, yes. end of the world movie on Netflix is what's trending.
0: But we actually, we had already swapped from Saw to Critters, and I just needed a two-movie franchise, and saw a random Reddit post about cinematography. And, I mean, I'm never paying attention to, like, if it's a holiday or what. (laughs) I mean, hell, we've had, how many episodes have we had come out on Friday the 13th, and that ship has sailed, and we haven't done that yet? Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it it is a pandemic, but it is not the same kind of pandemic we're experiencing in real life. I do want to say, even though they're not actually zombies, people still call them rage zombies. And Max Brooks, when he wrote the zombie survival guide and used to go on those college tours, I remember somebody, I, I saw him on a YouTube clip and somebody said, well, what do you do? Like all these instructions you gave are great for slow zombies, but what do you do if it's like the fast rage zombie? And Max Brooks' response was, oh, we're all fucked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know I clipped on
0: that one, but damn, that's funny. And and I always like that response because rage zombies are scary as shit. And, and Danny Boyle felt like the brain-eating, flesh-eating zombie thing had been played to death, which is funny because this is before the zombie boom. And he just wanted to put a more realistic spin on it. So it has a lot of the symptoms of Ebola, but it's accelerated. Because Ebola, like I said earlier, the, the red eyes, the internal bleeding, it, it can transmit from... Chimpanzee to human, like all those things, like that's what was influenced by. He just made it happen quicker and make you really fucking angry and kill everybody, which gave us a pretty frightening movie that is also like very artistically well made. And then it spawned a sequel four years later with twenty eight weeks later that I don't. it's, It's a good movie, but it's not the original. See, I I can't decide if
1: I if I like one over the other one. Oh really? Yeah. So this one was directed by Juan Carlos Fresnadillo, and it was written by him and Rowan
0: Jaffe, or Jaffe. I'm not sure on that one. We're probably butchering some names here, so sorry. Yeah, it
1: happens. (laughs) Um, There were two other writers on it that didn't really do anything else. And uh, there's nothing really else from this crew because they're Spanish. And this is actually the first quote-unquote American, which is not even American, but English language, like full-blown production that they did. And me doing the whole cast at the beginning. I'm not doing the whole cast. I'm doing a lot. Anyone who gets left (laughs) out in this, I'm sorry. (laughs) But we've got uh, Robert Carlisle as Don, which he's been in a fuck ton of shit, which memorable for me is (laughs) Spotting. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rose Byrne is Scarlet, which I have to bring up Insidious. Because when we did Insidious, I was like, this woman's like rigid like high school acting. <laughs> like I don't know how she's on my list, man. She's on my list of people. I don't like, I know. And she's
0: one of them that I, I disagree with you so much. She's also great in, in funny roles. Cause she's in that neighbors movie. She's married to Seth Rogen. In yeah. Those. And then there's, Oh my God, there's some spy movie she's in. That's absolutely ridiculous. And she's so fucking foul in the movie. <laughs> it's hilarious, but I like her in pretty much everything I see her in. <laughs>
1: We've got Jeremy Renner as Doyle, who I always come back to Hansel and Gretel, witch hunters for him, but I know where you're going to go.
0: Really? He's fucking Hawkeye. Not to mention, he won, didn't he win an Oscar for Zero Dark Thirty? No, no. Hurt Locker. Just, Hurt Locker. Just
1: keep on naming shit I haven't seen. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> and The Town? Have you not seen The Town? Nope. <gasps> You'll love The Town. You got to check that one out.
1: Okay. We've got, here we go with the names again. Harold Perrineau. Aaron,
0: no i've never been able to say his name but i know who you're talking about
1: and i didn't look at normally we would look this up and make sure we try to pronounce this shit right but we're really shooting from the hip tonight or i am at least anyway so he's flynn and i recognize him immediately i'm like he's somebody in the damn matrix
0: movies and he was link yep he's also uh i always think of him in the remember the or dicaprio um clear danes or me yes movie yes yep he was Tybalt in that, and then on the Constantine TV show when it was on NBC before it got canceled, he was Manny the Angel that always had to come talk to Constantine about keeping things in balance. Okay. So when we were covering Constantine, I, I actually pictured him with his giant angel wing standing in the street, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, that's not the movie. <laughs> My
1: brain broke. Then, then shit, gets, shit gets real. We've got Idris Elba as Stone who was recently announced that him and his wife have tested positive for COVID-19.
0: So that's just fucked up right there. And that is immediately when Josh told me we were canceling doing this episode. (laughs) And I I was like, are we going to cancel every episode? No, no. Hang on. I texted
1: you and I said, should we do this?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. I talked him into it though, but you can probably rattle off at least five things that he's been in. I mean, he's in, the Marvel movies. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's in the Thor movies. He guards the gates and everything, but he's also, I mean, Luther is what I think he's most famous for. It's a BBC like cop show that he's really famous for that had several seasons. And he was also the gunslinger in the dark tower movie, the Stephen King movie. Once again, stuff I haven't seen. I haven't seen the gunslinger, but it's because my whole life of my mom, you know, told me about Stephen King books. Cause as I've said, she's an avid fan. I've only read so many novels the gunslinger novel series she started reading before I was born. And I think he just finished this damn thing a few years ago. And like, I just heard the movie was like a letdown from the books and I, I didn't see it, but honestly, I just Elba is one of those actors that I'm like, Oh, he's in it. Cool. I'll go see it. Well, see, <laughs> you know? And that's funny. That is the
1: one Stephen King book. I've honestly tried to read and it was the gunslinger and I'm reading it and I'm like 40 pages into this book. And I'm like, so there's a guy on a horse in the desert. With a bird. And that's all I fucking know with this (laughs) or some shit like that. And I'm like, I can't do it. And the last one I've got in here is Imogen Poots, just because I want (laughs) to say the name as Tammy. And
0: we're just apparently going to keep doing movies with her in them. I know. I mean, I could already think of a couple more horror movies she's in. And I think I looked, I think she had done like a short film before this. So this was probably like her first like feature film. There's also a brother in it that I don't, I don't know if I saw him in anything ever
1: yet. Yeah. Mac something. I didn't, I didn't see him doing anything else. A couple of interesting tidbits before we get into this. They got a core group. To be the performers for the infected instead of just getting extras or anything like that. And they were all dancers or performers within the dance realm and headed up by a choreographer.
0: I actually forgot to mention they purposely picked all athletes in the first film so they could just all run. Okay.
1: The the rage scenes with the infected, like you said, in the first movie that were done at a crazy high frame rate. In this one, they made it a point to always go to a handheld camera whenever the infected were involved. So they wanted it to feel like the camera was infected, too. So they'd go to really abrupt editing and really crazy handheld camera movements
0: um, to make it more jarring in those scenes. If I could interrupt about my failures about covering my film, <laughs> I also forgot to mention that the c- any scene At the base at the end of the movie where you saw Jim sneaking around the base or Jim crawling through the windows or Jim running through or Jim killing douchebag were all shot the same way the infected were on purpose.
1: Oh, to make you think when it got to the
0: point of her thinking he's infected. It wasn't to trick the audience to thinking he was infected. It was just more like the, the new normalcy just to just show you ah. how primal and rage-filled Jim was now at this point. I will try to not go, oh, yeah, I forgot to say that. <laughs> but like Josh said, we are winging this one way more than normal. Oh. The, uh, the use of the main theme
1: from the first movie is reused in this movie, I think, four times. They save it for when there's big infected events. But that theme has been ripped off so many times. Anybody watching Project Blue Book right now, the opening music to that damn show is like 70% of the notes and the movement is straight up ripping off that theme. But It's such a good
0: theme. It really is.
1: So we open with this couple that we learn are Dawn and Alice, and they're, they're getting ready to make an intimate dinner. Just the two of them. And Alice asked Dawn, do you think the kids are safe? We learned that they should be because they're
0: away on a school trip. Which we find out is in Italy, which if it was this pandemic, the outlook wouldn't be looking so good for them.
1: Yeah. So they kiss and we quickly see they're not alone. Like we see this old guy and then this old lady and then this dude and then this chick. And you quickly realize that it's this whole group huddled up in this house. And as they sit down to eat, I forget the girl's name, but there's this one girl who like has a plate setting next to her for her boyfriend. That's the other dudes telling her, it's like, he's never going to come back. Like, there's not a point to these characters. There's just a little bit of interaction here. And then uh, someone comes rapping at the door. Red shirts. We like to call those red shirts in the biz. <laughs> and uh, it's this young boy and uh, they let him in. He starts wolfing down some food and uh, he starts telling him what was going on uh, to bring him there. And he was being chased. My mom, my dad, they're trying to kill me. There's
0: others, too. I may. Loads, Sam. I do want to point out that Don was pretty adamant about not letting the boy in the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that comes <laughs> into play in a bit. <laughs> so, meanwhile, I did have her David here, Karen.
1: She goes to look outside and as soon as she notices the infected coming, they burst in and all hell breaks loose. She's bit. She immediately turns, starts turning the others. It's just happens so fucking fast. And this leads to Dawn and Alice and the kid running upstairs and they get separated. So Alice has the kid on the one side of this room and Dawn's on the other side and the infected are coming and Dawn's like, well, I could save you. fuck it (laughs) (laughs) terrible human being (laughs) and uh he ends up making his way out and he's running away and she's banging on the window and shit and you kind of see her get pulled down from outside as he's running away um he makes it to this boat where uh the other dude has made it to the boat too they fight off some infected there and ends up just being dawn putting away on this boat
0: I do want to say the shot of him running away and looking at the window and seeing his wife beat on this window. There's only darkness behind her. And then you can tell that they had just like attached ropes or something to her, just yanked her out of out of frame. Yeah. Like she just goes so rapidly. And it it's I don't know. It's, when you see it, you're like, damn. You know, so
1: this guy's a piece of shit. And we're now going to want him to die for the next hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so we get cards popping up explaining that by 28 weeks later, the infected in Britain have starved. The U S forces have come to help and the rebuilding has begun. Now, originally they were going to do 29 days later, and this was going to just be a parallel story to the original story.
0: Right. Which should have been cool in its own right. And I think that's back when Danny was still be supposed to still be attached. Right. Um, That I'm not sure of. They just said, I'm going. This is Josh. I'm going by
1: commentary here. They just, just, (laughs) they just put that nugget in there. Um, This is one time that I didn't read a damn thing, but at any rate, (laughs) we're quickly introduced to Doyle, which there's just some real quick soldier interaction to let us know that the, the, the boys in red, white, and blue are posted up everywhere and keeping an eye on shit. And, uh, and Hawkeye's being Hawkeye. (laughs) Um, we cut to the airport and we get a nice wide overhead shot and see this plane landing. Now, what they did in this one, the airport's one of the shots and a lot of the overhead shots of the city, instead of filming, you know, everything at like 5am on a Sunday, they just said, fuck it and film shit and went through and digitally removed everything. So they got, rid- Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. They got rid of all the extra planes, all the cars, all the people. That's, that's the trick they used a lot in this one. So here we get to meet Scarlett. And she's examining two kids and it's Andy and Tammy. And we learned that Andy has rise against eyes, just like his mom. And I make that joke because the lead singer of rise against Tim, I think his name's Tim. He's got one blue or one Brown eye and one green eye, whatever that condition's
0: called. I had no clue of that, but I do know that Mila Kunis has that. Does she really? Yeah. I've never paid close enough attention. I think on that 70 show, she
1: wears contacts. Oh, okay. So, He's got the eyes, just like his mom, foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> so the kids are taken to District 1, which is the Isle of Dogs, and this is the green zone. So this is the area where everything's safe, and they're not supposed to stray out from this area, and they're going to be in quarantine for a little while, so to speak.
0: Because basically they know they've cleared out every building, and and this is all under watch of, the, of NATO and the American military, this, yes. this area, right?
1: Yes, And a quick little thing here, I meant to write down this guy's name and I may try to find it by the end of this episode. Um there's a guy from Ireland if I remember correctly that was teaching in Wuhan when all this COVID-19 shit went down and he was doing vlogs about it and I recently watched a thing where he gets to leave Wuhan with some other people and he's taken to London and put in an apartment for quarantine and okay. this part of the movie is just like that like he's given his oh. assigned room and there's like food already set out in the room and stuff it's really art imitating life Vis-a-vis whatever it's, it's fucking weird, man. But anyways, so the kids get reunited with dad because, uh, he's kind of a big deal and, uh, he's got his little <laughs> pass card and everything. Yeah. You like what I did there?
0: I'm going to bitch about his pass card later, by the way.
1: <laughs> okay, good. Cause, uh, when he gets to go every fucking where he wants to, that's some bullshit. I hope that's what you're talking about. Yeah.
0: I mean, like, okay. So a normal business, if you're like the head maintenance guy or like even, even our main maintenance guys can get pretty much through any tour. Right, because they have to go in and fix shit where yeah. I work, right? Whether they have to work on the HVAC or the you know, put in a light ballast, whether the fuck they need to be able to get in there. However, in a military base with biohazardous materials and infected people, you shouldn't be able to get into the medical rooms. And for some reason this jackass can.
1: You know what? Now that I think about it, okay, I have to be very vague here. With what my company does, we have public areas. That everybody can go to that we have access to restricted areas, and even though we don't need to, we can get to radioactive material in public
0: spaces Ugh. with our badges, and we don't work on it. was it ran by NATO though, after an infection? yeah, that's the old <laughs> that's the
1: def- that's the difference here is it
0: it is not a military base. I'm going to finish derailing you right here, but I do have one question. <laughs> have they mentioned at this point that basically, or did we say the infection was 100% contained to just like this part of England, right?
1: Yeah, I did say that that, yeah, that that part. Okay. But uh, as the kids are reunited with dad, um, we see Scarlett expressing some concern about the children being brought in. Like, whoa, we didn't talk about this. And uh, what will happen if the virus comes back? If it comes back, we kill it. It's cold red. So, Dad ends up telling the kids, you know, shit's different now and they can't go back to their old house and uh, is trying to talk up how awesome the new living situation is. And uh, he sits them down and does the inevitable and explains what happens to mom.
0: Well, yeah, his, version, <laughs> his version of events, a little bit different. Than we saw earlier. And uh, the dramatic shot from
1: in between the kids that's just head on on his face that they cut back to a lot during that conversation. That's all the first take. He's, they Ooh. said they shot it over and over again, but it was like, nope, this motherfucker nailed it first try. Let's quit. So the kids know what's up. This is their transitioning phase into the new life. And later on that night, we get to see Flynn trying to nap in his chopper. <laughs> and Doyle gives him a couple of terrible uh, running up on him fucking scares. And, but they're great, though.
0: Yeah, I'd be scared. I was I was gonna get shot attacking a sleeping soldier like that. Yeah. Apparently, his buddy sucks at shooting people. <laughs> that whole exchange was Renner's idea, and okay.
1: it wasn't in the script. And it sh- totally shows that these guys have been in the shit together, and that they're that
0: they're, they're pals. I think. I mean, it, it's actually it's a perfect scene because it really does show one that they're really tight, and two they're numb to everything yep. thus far. Because he said something about it being a cushy job earlier. <laughs> and speaking of how numb they are, the uh, we then see the
1: boys checking out what's on TV for the night. And by TV, they're peeping in people's fucking windows.
0: <laughs> yeah, because one of the guys, they're like, where's the, the jack-off guy yeah. or whatever? It's like, he's mind? probably
1: over there jacking off next to the fire extinguisher.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, Meanwhile... <laughs> I can't help but think of Wes Craven at this point. Do do more of that nightmare stuff. You're the nightmare guy. <laughs> yeah. We've got Andy having this dream of his mom. I'm like, oh, there you are, mom. And then he, she rips her fucking face off to reveal his face. Foreshadowing. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm going to do it a lot in this one. <laughs> so he wakes up and Tammy consoles him and everything. So the next morning, kids being kids, get right the fuck out of the green zone. <laughs> We're going back to our house, you know,
0: rules be damned. Well, it's because he says that he's forgetting what his mom looks like and he doesn't even have a picture of her. And Tammy knows there's a picture at the house.
1: Yeah, but, you know, she told him that, you know, you won't forget what she looks like. They should have just left it at that. But fucking kids.
0: Man, if you've seen my three kids, including the precious nine-month-old, in this house being like isolated, quarantined, whatever the fuck we want to call it, <laughs> for the past couple of weeks, man, kids will do anything, anything.
1: <laughs> but as they make their way out of the green zone, Doyle spots them. And they're talking about it on the radio. It's like, what, you got some dogs? Like, nope, just two pups. So, like, you already know something's happening because he doesn't shoot them or anything. But even though they make it out, you know that they know. <laughs> So they grab a pizza guy's bike and head to their old house and upstairs Andy discovers all these crosses like scratched into the upstairs wall along with Andy and Tammy written next to it and he then spots his fucking mom and we can see that she's infected just because we get a tight shot of the eye and it's all bloodshot out and everything but she's not like totally raged out and she grabs onto Andy and she's just kind of holding him and squeezing him. And he's like, you're hurting me, but she fucking calms down.
0: Right. And I do want to say, it's not like the whole eyes red, like a normal infected. It's just part of the eye, Yeah. And it's only one of the two eyes, if I remember correctly. Yes. Like, cause they're different color eyes. Right. And it's just really strange. And you're starting to realize this abnormality. I probably just butchered that word. And if we have any medical people that listen to us, they probably make fun of us anyways, but they'll definitely get <laughs> me on that one. But uh, you start thinking, well, this might have something to do with it. So
1: back inside of the base, wherever command center back at uh, the green zone, we see Alice getting fucking like, it's humiliating, like fucking stripped and scrubbed down and shit and restrained. And while she's being examined by Scarlet, she sees that she's got a bite and she's taking a blood sample. I'm like, This is some serious shit. Scarlet doesn't say that, but you can tell Scarlet is immediately her gears are turning on this whole thing. And as she goes out of the room to talk to stone, she explains what's going on. She's like, well, it looks like Alice is a carrier and that she could be the key to a vaccine or even a fucking cure. Right. Meanwhile, Don finds out that his kids have been retrieved along with his dead wife. (laughs) (laughs) Uh oh. And the kids are understandably pissed. But you said you saw her die, dad. And then there's no third act of this movie right now. Shit is just going to start happening until we get to credits. <laughs> so Dawn takes his super duper key card. <laughs> uh, bypasses all containment and security measures without issue.
0: <laughs> I know. I mean, I love, I love my housekeepers at work, but this would be like saying they could get in my fucking server. room, Right. Like, <laughs> If I need him to clean up my server room, I'll go get one of them, right? And I'll take him in there. They can't just get in my server room. You yeah. know what I'm
1: saying? Oh, So he makes it all the way to Alice. He apologizes to her. I mean, it's a really emotional scene. And, and she's a
0: little more forgiving than you'd think. I think she even tells him she loves him.
1: Yeah, yeah. They they exchange I love yous. And and she's, I think you're right. I think he asked her to forgive him. And everything's cool. So Dawn kisses her. And within 20 seconds, he's raging the fuck out and he rips her throat out and gouges out her
0: eyes. And that seems to be a signature move for this franchise now is the eyeball gouge. Yes. I do want to say that room, that clean room, whatever you want to call it. Seemed woefully underguarded for having the only known infected yes! person in the world in it. Like, what the... Like, I liked this movie, but there's things like that that I just feel like... I'm like, there's no fucking way that Nato would have, like, left the room unguarded. Stone's already like, let's burn her, you know, while it's like, oh, we could use her for science. He's like, fuck this, she's dead. Yeah. you think he would have left it unguarded while he's saying all that? And, and those kind of things peeve me out a little bit about the movie, even though it's a mostly enjoyable movie, but it has like, I don't know, obviously it's not real life. I can't really say that anymore because the world we live in right now doesn't feel like real life, but you know what I mean? Like it just kind of takes you out of it that he's so serious about killing her, but we forgot to guard her.
1: Yeah. Nobody gets a pass on this one. I mean, it is Americans and we're, you know, some entitled fuck up sometimes, but this level of lack of security, I don't buy. (laughs) Um, So he, of course, makes an escape, infecting several soldiers along the way. So now this shit's going to be spreading
0: like COVID-19 and shit. Yeah. Too soon again. Too soon again. Well, but for some reason, nobody can take this fucker down. He's Rocky zombie.
1: (laughs) In all seriousness, the, the current real virus that we're dealing with, jokes that I'm making, humor is a coping mechanism for a lot of people. If we don't laugh right now, we'll fucking cry. Moving on. Deep thoughts with Josh. So like you said, Stone was on his way to kill Alice. And now that somebody's paying fucking attention to the area, he starts seeing all these
0: dead soldiers. (laughs) (laughs) He's like the only good soldier. Him and Hawkeye. (laughs) I don't even know his fucking name. He's Hawkeye.
1: (laughs) So Stone issues a code red. More on that later. That's a
0: delicious Mountain Dew flavor.
1: (laughs) We see a soldier going into the room that the kids are in. And he's like, talking to him through the glass, like ding, ding, ding. everything's fine. Everything's okay. You're going to be fine. <laughs> and he walks out of the room, gets immediately fucking mauled. Right. <laughs> then Scarlet pops up and blows his head off because Scarlet may be a medic, but we've seen that she's got a, a, a sidearm uh, with her the whole time. So she has training.
0: Well, she's a military medic. So yeah, she still yeah. has to go through boot and everything just like everybody else.
1: Yeah, she's not just some doc in a lab. So she grabs the kids and now there's mass panic because the fucking they're in the house. They're in the fucking house. You know what I mean? Like shit's going wrong. So the military's trying to fucking enact this plan and they're trying to get all of the civilians into what's this safe containment area, as they call it. And this
0: is another spot where i have to suspend so much belief. <laughs> why couldn't they just lock them down in their apartments and then lock the floors down so that the infected was only stuck on one floor who was like you know what let's take this one room and cram everybody into it even though this virus spreads in 20 seconds and uh it just has those like normal gym double doors that any high school bully could break into at any given moment
1: okay the doors i will 100 percent give you but i'm kind of 50 50 on it because they're at least putting them underground before they firebomb the city so maybe they were trying to save them
0: i didn't realize they're underground and knowing that the next step is to firebomb the city that does make sense. But on a containment level, you would figure they had the penthouse rigged up or they could lock the doors and lock the floors down. This
1: give any Yahoo, a key card to go anywhere. So it doesn't fucking know, matter.
0: <laughs> but you know, like if you got infected on floor two and you lock down the stairwells and the elevators and everybody's like, yeah, everybody on floor two might not make it, but then you only have one floor to clear out. Yeah. And then, you know, you just gas the hallway and kill all of them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I'm I'm nitpicking this movie too much, but it's just like, <laughs> it's a good movie but they tried to make it like very serious on the military stuff. And then you can tell like, they didn't talk to like any kind of advisor or consultant Yeah, and just have like the most unbelievable military scenario.
1: So in all this commotion, Andy ends up getting separated from Scarlett and Tammy and he goes in with all of the civilians while Scarlett's st- still, you know, one of the soldiers and got Tammy with her and the city goes into full on lockdown and we're seeing downstairs where Andy is. And fucking dear old dad burst through the fucking doors into the containment area. And now the infection spreading bloodbath ensues. Oh, the lighting that they did in this. They literally had people just off camera with a couple of flashlights and turned off all the lights and would just shake the flashlights. That's all they did for lighting in this. I mean, it is done really neat. Yeah. So in all this commotion, Andy's like the kid from Jurassic Park, like you're not killing this kid. And uh, he manages to escape
0: via an air duct. That must run in the family because his dad's really fucking hard to kill, too. And that's my <laughs> other downfall with this movie. So now,
1: you know, the infected are just fucking popping up everywhere up on the surface. And the snipers have orders to just shoot the infected at this point. And they're, it, they're so overrun. So many people are being turned so fast that they're having a very hard time to do this. And they end up getting the order to just shoot everyone. Now, Doyle's the soldier with a heart of gold. And uh, he ends up popping one infected to save Andy and kind of follows Andy where he goes. And, you know, him and a couple of the other soldiers, they're not following orders. They're still trying to save the civilians.
0: And they made it clear earlier, Andy is the youngest person. In the, in the new society, in the encampment, he's the only little boy. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, he stands out and he's like, I got to save this kid. You know, it's just like a, it's a natural instinct kicked in, right? Save well, the child.
1: Scarlett's also giving an APB over the radio to everyone to be on the lookout for him at the yeah, same yeah. time.
0: But that's because she wants his ass to be a vaccine. Exactly. She's trying to save him because of them eyes. So uh, Andy gets called into this
1: area off to the side. Where he's reunited with Tammy and Scarlet, it's just kind of like, hey, the the kid happened to run into the right place. Deal with it. That's the kind of shit that. There's some stuff in this movie that's just like, here it is. Deal with it. And uh, anyways,
0: because <laughs> it's basically like the storage rooms. You can see like sodas and TP and stuff. It's where the hoarders are keeping all the shit from my grocery store. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he tells Tammy that uh, he saw Dad. While, you know, while all the shit was going on. Uh, meanwhile, Scarlett explains to the others what Code Red is.
0: Step one, kill the infected. Step two, containment. If containment fails. Step three, extermination. Now they won't stop until everyone is dead.
1: So out of uh, since Doyle saw where Andy ran off to, he, of course, comes running into the same storage area. And he leads the group out. And uh, so it's the kids, him, Scarlett, and like a couple extra people. It's not a very big group. And uh, as they go out, this is where, and I think 30 Days of Night did this. This whole night scene of them leaving the city was all shot during the day. Okay. Yeah. They did color correction, all that shit to make it look like night. So on their way out of the city, Flynn radios in and, uh, says yo they're firebombing the city in four minutes it's like shit we really got to get out of here <laughs> and uh I'm skipping over some shit that happens here, but, like, Andy sees dad, but then they run by and he's gone, and, and Andy ends up being the decoy so they can get away from a sniper. There's not—it's it's just moving the shit along. It's not
0: important later on. Yeah, because one of the soldiers is doing his job and has him pinned down, yeah. and Doyle has to kill his buddies, basically. But I, the fact that it's the dad every time popping up, <laughs> so, I mean,
1: come on. Yeah. So they end up making it to the outer fence and get out of the city just as the planes arrive. And we get to see the whole area engulfed in fire. Um, but it looks like dad was missed along with a horde seen breaking containment after the fire bombing. So everybody's uppercase fuck now.
0: It's really neat. How the fire like travels down the street, like it's tunnels. I don't know if that's how it actually works. And it's like it's Terminator like two air, but it looked cool. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that, that was all CGI. They didn't really do that, just in case anyone was wondering.
0: <laughs> I don't think anybody was wondering that except for you, Josh.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know how high some of these people are when they watch these movies. Been drinking cough syrup and shit. <laughs> That's just you when we record. <laughs> so <laughs> the small group ends up making it to the pickup location where Flynn's going to hopefully come pick them up in the helicopter. But there's too many people. But we'll get to that in a minute. And while they're taking a breather, Scarlett ends up telling Doyle that, you know, those kids could have immunity and that their lives are more important than hers or his foreshadowing. I'm going to get you a shirt, made. (laughs) So right then Flynn radios and tells them that they're about to be fucked. (laughs) He's like, yo, you got trouble in 60. He's like. 60 60 <laughs> clicks or whatever says so like no 60 seconds <laughs> Yeah he's a 60 minutes no 60 seconds Oh uh, that's a great scene so they go taking off and they're like hunkering down in the weeds and shit and it makes me think of the happening for some reason.
0: <laughs> Nothing makes me think of the happening except for Paula's shit. What about pollen? Nope. Just <laughs> block it. I just block it. Paula makes me think of bee things and delicious honey.
1: <laughs> so Flynn shows up and he's like, what the fuck is all this? I can't put all these people on my chopper. Who are all these people?
0: And he's still trying to be a bit of a soldier. Yeah. While being a while being his buddy. Right. And
1: uh, this one dude that I call fucktard grabs onto the chopper, causing it to go totally out of control. Now, I want to point out all these chopper shots right now
0: are real. They looked like it. I want to also point out fucktard was also supposed to be the decoy to the other sniper yes. when the boy had to do it because he was too much of a sissy. But now he's like, oh, I'm going to charge on this helicopter.
1: Now, when Flynn spins the chopper around and starts chopping up all the infected, that is not a real chopper.
0: Oh, my God. that's so much bullshit in that. But it looks so fucking cool as he flies that thing at an angle, chopping them sons of bitches up. You know why that
1: looks so cool, though? A lot of the dismemberment and explosion of bodies is all practical.
0: Okay, I mean, I figured that, but I'm just saying, like the idea of it, it's like, yeah, it's bullshit. Like you can't fly. Yeah, it would like never that,
1: happen, to my knowledge. So the rest of the group runs for it, and uh, they manage to get away to safety. And Flynn radios Doyle, and he's like, "Hey, man, I need you to ditch the others and be at the stadium." And Doyle radios back. Fuck the code red. Fuck the chain of command. I'm stuck out here needing extraction. God damn it. Better fucking be there. Because we will be.
0: And I really wish somewhere in here, Doyle would have let him know. I keep forgetting his name. I almost called him Link <laughs> from <laughs> <laughs> Matrix. But I, I wish Doyle would let him know, by the way, this kid's the key to a cure or vaccine. Yeah. We got to get him to safety. It would have changed everything. Yeah. So at this point,
1: it's just Doyle, Scarlett and the kids. And they start heading towards the new extraction point. And it's like a fucking Peter Griffin story. Like, what do we (laughs) we need here? We need more conflict. What can we have happen? Let's have them turn around the corner and run into troops gassing the streets. (laughs) And so they get into a car, which isn't going to protect them from the gas, number one. Um, just want to point that out. Just
0: close the vents. Just close the
1: vents. <laughs> <laughs> They're surrounded by infected, but they all start dropping dead because of the gas. Okay, whatever. But now the troops are burning the bodies. And of oh, course, yeah, flamethrower. the car won't crank. I mean, just shit really falls apart here about like what all could go wrong. What, yeah. Put that in there too. So the car won't crank. And of course, Doyle, knowing that the kids' lives are more important than anyone else's, Gets out and pushes the car, karate kid style. Okay, I'm you hey, husky!
0: Okay, pop <laughs> oh, it. Maruso.
1: Of course, the the troops torch his ass too and make him a crispy critter in a big dramatic shot. And you know, if you think it's bad that you just lost one of your saviors, it was originally supposed to be Scarlet, but they thought
0: that that was gonna be too hard on the audience. I didn't hear too hard. They thought it would make the kids seem like they're in a more vulnerable position if Scarlett was escorting them than Doyle, because Doyle can handle like yeah. murdering everything around them, and Scarlet, yeah, she knows how to shoot, but she still got like that motherly ki- kind of uh vibe about her, and they wanted the situation to be more vulnerable, because if you think of all the upcoming scenes, it would have been completely different if Doyle was just headshotting everybody like Hawkeye. Yeah. At any rate, it, it's terrible either way.
1: <laughs> <Just> the, whole, <laughs> like it, the whole car in the alley thing is just bad. They yeah, needed yeah. 15 more minutes of movie. <laughs> so Scarlett drives the car straight down into the tubes. So now they're so fucked, the only light source they have is the IR scope on the fucking rifle. So Scarlett's looking through it as they're stumbling down the escalator.
0: That kid is back on the escalator again. And this so quickly turns into a found footage movie at this point. Oh, yes it
1: does. It's like as above so below and shit.
0: <laughs> they
1: just start walking on all these corpses, which I, the vibe of the movie at
0: that point, I'm I'm in. I'm I'm like, "Man, oh, yeah. I feel fucked right now." And uh <laughs> this movie has a lot of great horror elements into it and it is an entertaining movie. It's just like some of the military stuff's just completely fucking unbelievable. Yeah. So they get separated again because that's what these three fucking do. And there's even a speech earlier. We won't get separated again, <laughs> except for this next time. And so now that they're split up, we need dad to pop up again. And he does. And he bashes Scarlet's head in. Oh my God. Why does dad keep popping up? How's he everywhere? <sighs> oh. He pops up like a ninja out of the shadow. He's like, gotcha motherfucker. And he, you know what I mean? He like slits yes. your throat and he throws the powder and he's gone again.
1: <laughs> oh. So Tammy ends up crawling to the rifle and is using it to see around. And what does she end up seeing? She ends up seeing dad chopping on Andy. She hesitates, but she ends up blowing him away.
0: It was that heartbeat hesitation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And Andy fucking freaks out. And goes running down the tracks because he's like, ah, am I, am I one of them? Am I one of them? And Tammy like comes up to him because there's the whole thing about how they weren't gonna separate ever and blah 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 yada yada yada. And she's holding him, and we see his eye do the exact same thing like his mom's. So Scarlet's theory was correct; they're both capable of being carriers without actually raging out.
0: And she sees that too.
1: Yeah. So they make their way to Wimbledon, which was not Wimbledon. They actually shot something else and digitally made it look like Wimbledon. I don't know if anybody cares about that, but there's your, there's your inside information from the deep digging. I did by listening to the commentary and, uh, (laughs) (laughs) fucking, uh, Flynn shows up and they get on the chopper and they fly away. Credits. No. 28 days later. (laughs) And that's what we get on the screen. And yeah, it's, it's not nowhere near as funny when I'm just ripping it off from the previous movie, huh?
0: <laughs> you can't take my shit, Josh, okay? I already said it.
1: The interesting thing, when they fly away, we see like some more overhead shots of the city and shit. And eventually, they fly over this cliffside. And that was supposed to be the end. The chopper flies away,
0: credits. And instead, we get 28 days later. I do want to say it doesn't just fly over the cliff side, though. You see it fly over the English Channel. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's now left England. <laughs> yeah. We
1: now see the empty chopper, and we can hear a distress call over the radio. And it's in French. And then we see the Eiffel Tower with a horde running out. And then we get credits. Now... That whole part right there was added after the movie was done with a handy cam and 12 extras.
0: <laughs> yep. And uh, I guess she lost track of her brother again. I mean, fucking how hard is it to keep an eye on this kid? <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, she hit him from Flynn. So he couldn't see the eye. He flew him out of England and he's now spread it to the rest of Europe. And I don't know. They've been making 28 months later forever yeah. and to get shit canned. supposedly Danny Boyle's actually really working on it this time. Um, maybe this pandemic here will kind of, you know, motivate them to finish the story, but I'm going to assume the direction they're going to go is the rest of the world's fucked.
1: Yeah, they've got to like world war Z. It's got to be everywhere. I definitely think the first movie is a better movie. I like that this tried to do something a little bit different and not just a yeah. straight up rinse and repeat. Um, it told a story. It gave us the, the whole thing with the family and the father's fuck up and how the father gets his comeuppance, but at the same time then becomes the danger to the kids and everyone else. It's just wild how that turns on its head, but there's a lot of clunky mechanics in the movie.
0: The, the horror elements are solid. The family dynamics are solid. Even the science of it with the, you know, these people can can these two can get the infection and not have any symptoms of it. And we can use them to make a vaccine. All that's really good. Even the military presence. It's just they went really clunky, like you said, with the military yeah. like that. And then the dad popping up over and over again was a little little out there. Um, I did see somebody on Dreadit say, you know, the first one's so good. And then the second one's like a shitty American remake. <laughs> and I think that that's unfair of- to say. It's funny, but like the I feel like it's unfair to say. I mean, yeah. half of those Americans were actually British or Australian or <laughs> Yeah. This is accurate. Because I just Alba's British, uh Rose Byrne is Australian, I think, right? Yep. But uh yeah, I mean it it was, but I don't feel like it was heavy-handed America hoorah coming in to save the day because in the end they fucked up too. Right? Yep. I won't watch it as much as so I'll watch the first one, but it, it is a solid flick, and I really hope the third one gets made. Yeah. I did want to point out, I didn't I don't know if you had this in your notes, but Danny Boyle was actually the second unit director for this movie and he did a lot of like the whole barn scene with the zombies, like that whole opening scene he directed this. Oh, okay. Which is why they feel like 28 days later.
1: <laughs> Watching these movies with what's going on in the world right now you know, it it's we're we're really simple creatures, you know, humans, and I think that's why this shit's popular right now. Is watching this kind of stuff right now is a totally different effect because it's not the man that'd be fucked up if that happened. It, it's like motherfucker, look at the news. That shit's right over there, or to some people, it's already there, and to other people, it's like you know something like this is so close, and uh, it really makes you see shit differently, or at least it did for me. I mean, I was. Not like crying and shit, but I was upset watching 28 weeks later. Like, you know, that's it's just fucking too real.
0: It really does hit hit home kind of hard. And uh, I don't know, like, you know, you always think, you know, we're fortunate. We live in America. We live in like a really civilized, technologically advanced country compared to other parts of the world. And you always think that, like, when you hear about these outbreaks, it's always in third world countries and stuff. Right. And you feel like we're immune to it. Yep. And we're not, I mean, look at this, like the whole fucking country's on panic. The economy's crashing. Poor people are fucking out of work all over the place. We're fortunate that your job's essential and you still got to go out, which unfortunately puts you in danger. I'm fortunate enough that I work IT from home, but like technology super needed right now. And I know not everybody's in that place. We got all these people stuck at home. You got kids having to be educated. I mean, let's be honest here. Most kids, if any, are probably not going to go back to school this year. Oh, yeah. I don't think we're going to
1: see any go back to school this year.
0: And I mean, they say this is like the flu, the fall. It can happen again. So I really hope, you know, that a vaccine is a long way away. And some people don't realize that because yeah. even if they tested a vaccine days ago. It's got two doses. So there's dose one, dose twos, and it's 30 days from then. So we're roughly 25 days from there, I'd have to look at a calendar. And they tested on forty-five people, and even if it works perfectly and it's a perfect vaccine, they still got to wait twelve to eighteen months before they start injecting people with that, just to see what it does. Yep. What if it causes cancer? What if it kills you six months later? What if it makes you sterile, and you've now shot up most of the population of the Earth with it, and we can't have kids anymore? You know what I mean? Like, like you have to test that shit. And the same thing with with medicine that's treatments. It's not like we have a Tamiflu that you can just take. I mean, there's no cure for the flu, but Tamiflu definitely helps you get over it faster. Yeah. And they're hoping some of these malaria drugs would do it. And it looks kind of promising. And that's the route you have to hope for, because at least those have already been tested and they're in the wild. And it's like, if it works, they'll just okay and You can just take it. And I don't know. I mean, honestly, people just have to isolate. It sucks. At least there's plenty of shit to watch on TV and the internet. Watch fucking cat videos if you finish your Netflix backlog. I mean, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean like if if we if everybody stays inside cuz you know, the president said 15 days, right? Like everybody let's, let's lock up for 15 days and flatten this out. And then you got people still partying and spring breakers going to beaches and stuff. And now states are starting to do the stay at home, right? I bet they all do it within days. I bet the whole country is essentially not locked down. We don't have martial law, but I bet the whole country does it within days. And honestly, much as I hate to say it for some people, I feel like the 15 days has to start over at that point.
1: Uh, I agree 100 percent. The most fucked up thing about it is, at least here in the States. Well, it's true worldwide. Look at New Zealand is we can print money because it's worthless. We have a fiat currency. So everybody stay at home, get sent your checks. And wait for this whole thing to blow over and the World Bank is going to fucking have everybody by the short hairs, but we can it's fucked up in a way we can buy our way out of this. I mean, the reason I brought New Zealand is they've gone on full lockdown and they're borrowing money from the World Bank to afford to keep everything going. Um, The most interesting thing I've read about this is. Uh, I forget who was saying it, but it was from a tweet that said, you know, the previous generation was asked to go die on the front line in their time of conflict. You're being asked
0: to go home and sit on your fucking couch. Right. I read that, too. And that was really <laughs> prolific when I read it. The people I worry about are the people that can't go to work because their business is shut down and not not because they're sick, but just like their, their business had to shut down. And I really I. I mean, I'm not trying to get into like left versus right or socialism, but this is a situation where we have relief funds and they need to be utilized to help those people because they can't fucking work. I mean, yeah. society's not going to survive, and I really hope it's a, it's enough. But but like I said, like it, if if the whole nation goes on a stay at home and then we start the 15 days over, anyone who's symptomatic should already be in a hospital or over it at that point except for your few outliers. And hopefully at that point it's contained and, and life can't go completely back to normal. We'd still need to keep the borders locked down, Yeah, but maybe it could start to go back more to normal. People could start going out in public. I wouldn't be scared to go out in public. If we did a nationwide lockdown and 15 days went by,
1: I'd have to wait and see, man. Not none of us will, will never know the truth about how this all really went down in China. Yeah. I hate to say that, but, you know, people need to realize, I guess I'll get preachy for a second. Fuck it. Um, or at least college kids, y'all need to realize that, uh, the kind of like in some ways we were never the same after nine 11, but in some ways we w- went right back into our bad habits. Um, This is going to be this is the new marker. It's going to be the pre covid-19 world and the post covid-19 world. We got to watch out for what laws are put in place after this around the world um, and realize that, you know, some people should be self-sufficient, not just a country should be self-sufficient, be self-sufficient at home, fucking look out get to know and look out for your neighbors, plant a fucking garden. You know, these are the things that, you know, if something like this comes along and you need to dig in, be ready to dig in and, you know, look out for the people that you can look out for and not the almighty golden calf of the fucking
0: Dow ran over. Right. I also, I hope this brings a lot of work back to the United States that yep. is offshore because we're fucked in some, some categories, some things. I mean, I think I heard that amoxicillin is only made in China now.
1: Yeah, there's. And and that's the thing. And I'm not saying be a full blown
0: isolationist
1: like that's what people used to bitch at Rand Paul about. Like, no, let's just be self-sufficient.
0: We can still have free trade, but don't rely on everybody else to that degree. I mean, why, like, yeah, so what if China's still the primary supplier of amoxicillin, but we also make a little bit of it here. So if shit hits the fan, we still have it, you know, like, I don't know. You just got to think of things like that. And that would do nothing but help unemployment here in the States. Yeah. I mean, this, this isn't that we don't try to get preachy on the podcast, but I mean, we covered a series of movies that was actually partially relevant to the times. And I mean, we'll have cabin fever. I mean, even Josh, you still go to work every day, but it's like, It's like slow at work, right? So, I mean, even in your own way, you're getting cabin fever. It is painfully slow at work. Yeah. And I'm actually busier than I normally am. But then, you know, my kids are home all day, right? And and my wife, she's a stay-at-home mom, but she's not used to having all three of them. And then we still have all three of them at the end of the day. And I don't know, we're having to figure out how to keep them caught up on school stuff because standardized testing might be gone for the year. But, I mean, you still don't want your kids to be behind. Are we going to have a whole generation of kids that are behind? You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy to think of it like that. Things will be the same. Well, this is the opportunity to teach
1: your kids the the truth about the history of the country. Teach your kids how to grow something, you know, even if it's just a plant in a pot, you know. Yeah. Teach your kid, you know, make make some bread at home. You know, You know, the, the kind of things that they're like, oh, fucking homeschoolers are going to ruin everything. Like, no, fucking teach them how it was. We. We can remember and this is going to get real fucking sad and then I'll stop. Um, We can remember grandparents and great grandparents that, you know, could do that shit and that could get up in the morning and bake what was going to be the bread products for breakfast, lunch and dinner and fucking know, still know how to work the land, still remember the Great Depression and shit like that. Not only do we have a generation that's oblivious to that, but this virus is wiping out the knowledge and the last of the people to a great extent that still know all that and could still teach all that.
0: I saw something terrible on the internet, but it's true in a way. I saw the virus referred to as the boomer doomer. Yep. And it's sad to say that, but I mean, that's the thing about these college kids. Yeah, they were saying that it doesn't affect the young that bad, but you, you're you still a carrier. You can still kill other people. Hell, I have severe asthma. If you accidentally give it to me, I might not make it. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know what you're doing to other people. And now they're finding out, even in small children, that there's, like, severe permanent lung damage. There's a lot they don't know about this. And, I mean, yep. I'm sure you, like myself, you're, you're probably partially... Or at least were partially oblivious to it because I remember getting freaked out over bird flu, swine flu, H1N1. You know what I mean? Like those were supposed to all wipe us out and they just all blew away like nothing. And then this one didn't like you. Yes. When if they had just started hyping this up
1: again, I've been like, this is like the last thing to tell me to get fucking scared and get ready for a draconian control. But in January, I was watching the videos of people in wuhan being welded into their fucking apartment buildings right and people are saying oh that's that's fake you're a crazy conspiracy theorist and then i saw them building the hospitals and i went yeah oh fuck we everybody's fucked i don't care what the news says and they did they did the 180 they did the it's just the flu everything's fine blah blah blah, blah. and then the, they turn on a dime and go oh shit um everybody we're fucked uh get ready for this (laughs) and you know you can't expect people to believe them especially as many times as they lie to everybody and then to turn on a dime like that i totally get it the fucking and i'm not being one-sided here but the fake news is the fucking fake news the previous administration lifted the law that that made it illegal for news to spread propaganda it's totally legal now and you fucking get your get multiple sources don't don't yep. believe the fucking box that's talking to you. Go out and fucking source your own
0: shit and come up to your own conclusion. I'm getting real preachy now. I know <laughs> I just try to listen to like CDC and who over everybody else. Right. Cause they, they're not running for election and I'm not saying honestly, I feel like the administration did a pretty decent job now. Like, I feel like we got a handle on this quicker than other countries. And no matter any political beliefs, I'm not, I'm not trying to get in on that part, but I still like to listen to the doctors instead of the politicians. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> so oh, absolutely. And, and that's my thing on it. And I do want to say anybody out there with kids, my son, he's six and I feel like he's so smart. And he really is, but, like, he's just sitting there playing plants versus zombies on his iPad, and we're watching the news every day with him in the room, thinking he's not listening. And then my six-year-old looks up, and he goes, so this coronavirus, are we all going to get it and die or what? And this was a week ago when he said that, and me and my wife like, oh, shit. You know, like, he's our oldest. He's six, and we're like, what do you do? And it really broke my heart, but just you got to watch what you say around your kids. I was thinking at six, he could sit in the room with the news on all day and listen to the press Conferences and it not even phase them, and it apparently does. So they're little sponges, man. Oh, they are. They are. We we didn't mean to get like full on. I wouldn't say preachy, but we we talked about current events way more than normal. And outside of the horror movie realm, we're not talking about the chainsaw awards here i mean hell josh was giving me shit to go for going to disney and the the virus wasn't even bad yet and i was planning on telling fucking star wars stories for 45 minutes (laughs) which has nothing to do with the podcast and uh i don't know things got more serious since then so i'll save the um i'll save the disney world trip for another time i will probably post on the instagram my son and I at the Tower of Terror, because that is definitely horror-related and one of my favorite <laughs> rides. So my, my, my six-year-old, won the first night at, at Disney, everybody got tired and wanted to go back, and I didn't, and I looked at my six-year-old, and I said, you think you can make it three more hours? And he said, sure, Daddy. And Little Trooper toughed it out for three hours, and we were getting on brand-new rides with 10-minute <laughs> waits, because everybody's went to bed. And it was a lot of fun, so we got to do the Tower of Terror a couple times. And he says, we'll never ride it again. But... <laughs> He he wrote it when he was four last time, and he's been wanting, he's just been itching to ride it, but he's done. But it was a good trip, and uh, I'm glad you know we all came out healthy and <laughs> had to change our movie three or four times. I'm sure you guys know the outro. My voice sounded completely different in the last episode because we yeah. changed the movie so many times. But this remote recording might be the way we're going to do it for a while. So I really do apologize for any extra background noise, poor mic quality. Hell, I don't know if I'm like. Bang on my cable on the mic stand i don't know i turned the air off and i'm sweating bullets here but i I don't know there could have been a washing machine running in the background for all i know if we have to continue to remote record josh and i are going to work this out we're gonna we're gonna split up the good mics from the studio i have an extra interface i'm gonna give them and uh we'll try to make it better but we just want to try to provide content for you guys as close to on time as possible. Times are crazy now though.
1: Yeah. We're going to keep keeping on. And, you know, as you can hear, you know, we're doing our part too, you know, let, let's, you know, flatten the fucking curve. And hopefully by the time this comes out, we'll, we'll see numbers that, you know, we're, we're all doing our part to get past this
0: shit. I mean, other than mandatory work or food or pharmacy you on, just stay the fuck home and watch TV while you can. <laughs> if you got to work, you got to work, but stay home and you know stay clean just wash fucking hands don't touch your face that face parts so hard though <laughs> but uh we're we'll all fight through this together and you know we'll we'll hopefully we can look back on it in a year you know and we just get a a, a coronavirus vaccine shot with the flu virus shot every year you know i still won't get the flu shot <laughs> <laughs> I never got it until my first year working a help desk at a K-12 school and I got the flu for the first time in my life. And uh. I was like, nope, never doing this again. <laughs> I touch a lot of keyboards. Well, more than Now that I'm the IT director, I touch less keyboards. But <laughs> um, We've rambled on and depressed people enough. Uh, hopefully we, we threw some laughs in there too. But that's it for the 28 Days franchise. You guys are going to have to tune in on the next episode when we cover Director Ari Aster's body of work. i, I- To find out what's wrong with this guy and why he's so fucked in the head. <laughs> As usual, guys, thanks for downloading the show and spreading the word. Please do not forget to rate and review us online, and please, please send us comments, questions, and suggestions to our email, at gmail.com
1: We would also love it if you could follow our Twitter and Instagram, both at Podcasts. This might motivate us to use them more. See you guys on the next one. Thanks for listening.
0: Man walks into a bar with a giraffe. They just get pissed. The giraffe falls over. The man goes to leave and barman says, Oi, you can't leave that lion there. He says, no. It's not a lion.
1: It's a giraffe.